going to tell all of you. I'm going to make it nice and simple so you'll all understand it. I'm Chuck Jenkins, and you're listening to Longest War. In boot camp, you learned out of a book. Out here, you got to remember the book and learn a thousand things that have never been printed, probably never will be. you got to learn right, and you got to learn fast. And any man that doesn't want to cooperate, I'll make him wish he hadn't been born. Before I'm through with you, you're going to move like one man and think like one man. If you don't, you'll be dead. You joined the Marines because you wanted to fight. Well, you're going to get your chance. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. You are a United States Marine Corps veteran of Vietnam. Yes, sir. Were you drafted or did you join? Uh, I enlisted in the Marine Corps in uh, 1964. And what was your motivation to enlist then? As a kid growing up, I always was watching these TV programs. John Wayne made me do it. I enjoyed uh, Guadalcanal Diary and all, all, those, all those war flicks. And that's more or less, you know, inspired me to, to enlist in the Corps. I, I needed a challenge, and so I decided to do the Marine Corps rather than the Army or any, anything else. And how old were you at the time? At the time, I was 18. When I graduated from high school in 63, uh, I was only 17 years old, and I didn't turn 18 until the uh, end of the year. So I sort of waited for a year after I got out of school before I enlisted in the Marine Corps. And now, where did you go to basic training for the Marines? Paris Island, South Carolina. We had 13 weeks training at Paris Island. What was your MOS? My MOS was 0300, which is a uh, infantryman, a grunt. So you joined in 1964. You went to Vietnam in 1968? Uh, 67. 67. May of 67. May of 67. So what were the, the two and a half years prior to? I was uh, with the 2nd Marine Division, uh, 6th Marine Regiment uh, at Lejeune for... Well, two and a half, almost three years. Uh, I didn't go to Vietnam until almost my last year in the service. So what did you do those couple of years? Was it just training nonstop? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we trained. Uh, we did a Mediterranean cruise. They always send a battalion to the Mediterranean. We were over there for six months. How was that? That was decent, except for, <laughs> except for being on that flat-bottom boat. But uh, it was neat. It was, uh, you know, getting away from home for the first time. You know, a young guy. And we also went to uh, Guantanamo Bay. We were down there for four months uh, manning the perimeters to make sure uh, you know, everything was all right down there. And uh, Did you do many port calls on any of those tours? In the Med, we did. We did quite a few. Naples, I got to Rome, uh, di- different ports in Italy especially. Now, when we were in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, we didn't get to hit any of the ports. It's pretty much just on lockdown. You're on the military yeah. installation. And yeah. No one comes on. No one goes off. Right. Exactly. As Leeward Point, I believe it was done in uh, Gitmo. But for a young man, you got to see quite a bit pretty early yeah. on. Yes, it did. Okay. So let's fast forward to, to May 67. You go to Vietnam. Did your whole company go together? No, no, no. We, we went as individuals. I guess uh, my first leg was, you know, once I got orders for Vietnam, there, were, there was four guys that we, we, we loafed pretty much together. We were from the Pittsburgh area, and we got orders at the same time, and we went to uh, Camp Pendleton, California, for our jungle training and everything. 
by the time we got to Vietnam, uh, we were split up. I went to the uh, 5th Marine Regiment, and uh, I think the other three guys went to the uh, 4th Marine Regiment. But we got split up over there, and one of the fellows, uh, unfortunately, didn't make it back home here. Andy Havansi from New Brighton, he was uh, KIA in, in uh, Vietnam. I want to talk about that, but let's go back to the jungle training for a second. Did the training at Camp Pendleton realistically prepare you for jungle fighting in Vietnam? No, it, it, yeah, we went through the motions, and I mean, it certainly helped, that's for sure, but uh, it's, it's a completely different animal once, once you get in the combat zone. Everything is pre-programmed in, in Pendleton, or a lot of people, you know, went through Okinawa also, but uh, it, it does prepare you to some extent, but uh, uh, it, it's a whole different world once you get into a combat zone. And so you're with those four guys from Pittsburgh uh, total. You, you guys flew together. Did you know that when you got there you would be split up altogether, or did you have maybe stick together? No, just before we were to uh, uh, leave for Okinawa, uh, we, uh, we had all, all four of us had made E5, which was at that time unheard of. In two years, two and a half years to make the uh, sergeant was uh, unheard of, but the, they need a lot of people in Vietnam. Uh, anyways, those three fellows left for, for Okinawa, and they shipped me back to uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I went to uh, Psychological Warfare Training School. It was for NCOs. Uh, it was for the Army, Navy, Air Force. Uh, we, we were there for like, oh, just about a month. So they had gone over to Vietnam, and I was still back in the States. I thought, well, maybe when I get to Vietnam, I'll get a nice slack outfit, you know, have a psychological warfare training. And, well, that was silly of me to think of that. But, what what uh, did the PSYOPs training involve? Just winning the hearts and minds of the people, you know, sort of like a politician, I suppose. Sure. But uh, uh, So it wasn't psychological operate like as of how to mess with you. No. It was more so how to... PSYOPs type Caress stuff. the egos of the locals and get them on your side. Yeah. Dropping pamphlets from the airplanes. And, Did it uh, work? I never used it. Because no. <laughs> you got over there and you were just a I, regular infantryman. Yeah. Yeah, I got over there and they were in dire need of uh, grunts at the time. Uh, we were before search and destroy operation. Company I was with took, took a lot of casualties on the first uh, operation, a union one it was called. And I got there right between two fairly decent-sized search-and-destroy operations. You flew out of what, like San Francisco? Uh, let me see. I'm trying to think. I flew out of, uh, see, Pendleton, uh, El, uh, El Toro, maybe. I'm not even quite sure what the uh, where we flew out of it. I, I know we flew flew to Hawaii. and Was it on civilian air, or was it? Yeah, a... it was civilian. We flew, uh, uh, refueled in Hawaii and went to uh, Okinawa, flew to Okinawa. We were supposed to spend about a week in Okinawa. But they were in such dire need of people in Nam that uh, I think I spent a day or two days, two days at the most. I didn't even get to get out on any liberty. They flew us right from Okinawa to, uh, I landed in Da Nang. Were you nervous? At that time, no. No, I, I don't think I was really that nervous. I hadn't prepared for this and, uh, you know, I knew it was coming. So, you know, uh, I didn't get nervous until the ball started to fly. Right. Well, that, that's I the thing. It. Before you see combat, you're a little too naive to yeah, really be exactly, noticed, exactly. nervous about it, rather. Yeah. I, I learned in a hurry, in a hurry. So you get there May 67, and what is your first, I don't know, what does the first four or five months look like for you? 
I got there in mid-May 67. The 1st Battalion, 5th Marines had just come back from a search and destroyer operation, was called Union 1, and they, they lost about 17 or 18 KIAs during that operation. And I was one of the placements that came in, and I was there for maybe about a week. And we went out uh, on uh, Union 2, search and destroy operation. We got chopped out to the field. And uh, How did they treat you as a replacement soldier? When I got there, being in the, uh, a sergeant, I, 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 wasn't, uh, I, I didn't have to do a lot of the things that the... the, uh, the Lance Corporals and the right, PFCs. PFC. Yeah, I was a platoon guide, uh, which I sort of took care of all the uh, bandages and the bullets and took care of the administrative part of the platoon. Of course, when the platoon went out, I, you know, I accompanied the platoon. So that was an yeah. additional duty, as exactly. well as being a trigger puller. You also had to exactly. kind of handle the admin stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, we went out. Uh, fortunately, I, uh, you know, I was in the middle of the platoon when we went out on these search and destroy operations. And uh, it was never a safe position, but it was certainly better than the guys that was out manning the you know, uh, front lines. But I was a platoon uh, guy for probably about two, three months. I think the, the platoon sergeant, his name was Sergeant Crouch, ironically, he finally... Uh, rotated out, so I became the platoon sergeant. I was a platoon sergeant for about three months, four months. And during that time, I probably went through uh, Lieutenant Link. He, he got shot in the neck by a sniper, so I uh, replaced him with Lieutenant Persons, and then <laughs> he got wounded. And then uh, three or four platoon leaders, you know, they were each wounded. One was KIA. And you were at E5 still? Correct. So in the Army, a platoon sergeant is typically uh, E7. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what they are. In the Marine Corps, uh, an E5 should be a squad leader. An E6, possibly a platoon sergeant. Uh, E7, of course, they're gunnies. You know, they're, they're part of the administrative part of the, of the company. But it was still rather un, not quite typical for an E5 to be a platoon sergeant. Uh, no. Maybe Vietnam it was a little more regular, but certainly if you were back stateside. No, they would, uh, it would have been an E-6 six to be a platoon sergeant. And you're still pretty young at this point. Were you 21, 22? Yeah, I enlisted at 18. I, I, would, I would have been 20 years old. I, I, I turned 20, well, I'm sorry, I turned 22 in Vietnam. I was 21 once I got there. So what's it like being 21 years old, responsible for entire platoon and uh, rotating cast of lieutenants as they come in? <laughs> it was a job. You know, yeah, they they made you a, a platoon sergeant, or I should say a sergeant for one reason, because you have the capabilities to lead men. And I did the best I could. You know, uh, uh, I'm sure the men, when I, when I first got there, I was about 135 pounds, I think. And these guys, have, you know, been there for, for a while. But they're young men. Hey, <laughs> most of them are younger than me. Yeah, right. Even being 21 years old, uh, most of the guys are 18, 19 what kind of toll psychologically did it take on you when you'd lose a man or your platoon leader? You just got to keep on. You got to move on. Uh, from the time I got there in mid-May 67 till I was supposed to rotate home in June of 68 would have been my 13-month tour. Delta Company, uh, we lost 92 KIA, which was uh, very high, very high. Uh, the rest of the battalion called us dying Delta. Uh, it seems like every time we went out, you know, shit hit the fan. 
But the way things happened over there with the men rotating, you, you never knew who was there. I had a platoon, you know, the platoon, of course, should have been 40, 45 at, at full strength, but we were always 30, 35, 40. And uh, they were coming, they were going, they were on sick bay, they were on liberty, they were on the in country. So I never really got to know the men. Now, had I been a PFC or Lance Corporal, you know, they shared holes together, fighting holes. So they more or less got to know each other. I, I tried to, I shouldn't say distance myself, but uh, I tried to keep things into perspective because <laughs> i just seen so many of the men come and go. How long were you there before Way City? Well, I got there in mid-May. Way City was uh, 1st of uh, February the mid-February, uh, that had been, what, six months, seven months, eight months. I, I only spent less than 10 months in country because I was my second wound, uh, I was wounded a second time in Way City, and uh, that was my ticket home. When were you wounded the first time? The first time I was wounded was during uh, Operation Swift. That was in September of 67. Uh, we were out on a company-size uh, patrol. Uh, we were out for a couple of days and not too much was happening. In the morning, I, th I think it was September 3rd or se September 3rd, the NVA uh, hit us. As a matter of fact, they just about overran us. Uh, but we, we, we took a beating. Uh, we lost 13 men that night. Out of your platoon? Uh, the company. Uh, the company was only like, we were only about 90 strong. Uh, we had two platoons that went out. Uh, uh, one platoon stayed back at the base camp for security. Company CEO was killed that night. I had the platoon at that time. The platoon uh, leader was wounded. So we lost a lot of people. Uh, we lost 13 that night. The next day, uh, the day after that, after we got resupplied, we lost another six so we lost almost 20, 20 guys out of the company during that 20% casualty rate. That's pretty high. Yeah. And you were wounded there as well? Uh, yeah. Was yeah. it small uh, arms uh, or Yeah, no, a mortar run, we were moving after we left the initial, uh, where we were first attacked, we were moving to catch up with the rest of the battalion because they sent a lot of reinforcement companies out. They caught us, uh, they caught us out in the rice paddies again. And uh, they were mortaring us and rockets and machine guns. And uh, mortar on landed, oh, I don't know, 20 yards from me or so. And all I got was some shrapnel in the back of my leg and in the arm. So that was the first time I was wounded. And, and, uh, did you have to get evac or did they just patch it, you up? No, I, I got patched up there, but we, we couldn't, uh, couldn't get our wounded or dead out that day. They had to wait till the next day. So I was medevac the next day. I was, you know, I was, it wasn't life-threatening or anything like that, but it was, you know, shrapnel wounds. And once I got medevaced out, they, they sent me to Cameron Bay, and I spent three weeks in the hospital, Cameron Bay. After that, they sent me back out to the bush again. Was Cameron Bay, was that a kind of nice reprieve for oh, a few weeks? Oh, my God, that was just like you died and went to heaven. Yeah. But I mean, after being in the bush for, you know, two or three months. and they have good food and pretty nurses? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cold beer? Uh, yeah, I had a couple cold brews. Yeah, I, I can recall. I wasn't too happy to have to go back to the company again. Though. I can imagine not. <laughs> but anyway, we went back to the, yeah, I did get back to the company, I guess, let's see, September, probably was about October. Then I went on RR just, you know, about the week after I got back to the company, I went on RR to uh, Taipei for, you know, 
that's when you, know, you really felt like you were in heaven. How long was that for? It wasn't quite a week, I don't think. It, it might have been five or six days. Um, you did the yeah, typical 21-year-old just raising hell, yeah, having a good time. Yeah, and when I came back from Taipei, uh, the company, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, the platoon, we had replacements. I didn't know who they were <laughs> because we had lost all those people on Swift, and, you know, we had replacements in there. And, it's like being in a brand-new unit almost. Yeah, just about, just about. During the winter months, does because uh, I was in Afghanistan, and Afghanistan typically it's so cold, the winter months it slows down, it's a little more relaxed. Was it like that in Vietnam? I remember the monsoons. Uh, they start in probably late October. No, uh, I can remember October, November, December. It was pretty miserable. I mean, it, it wasn't real cold, but if it gets down to you know low sixties or into the fifties, it's cold. I mean, especially when you're out in the bush, you know, and you're uh, wet. Uh, yeah, you're wet all the time, and you know, we were we were always on the move. You know, I mean. Unfortunately, that's what, it, what the grunts do. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that was our job. But it was, uh, it was, it was cold. It was very cold. Like since you were out on patrol and you went on all these operations, like how often did you get a hot meal? Do you think? Hot meal? Not often. We ate sea rats most of the time. How were those? I've heard different yeah, opinions. Yeah, you know what? They they were by they they suffice. I mean, they they kept you going. Uh, there were some some uh, some that were good and some that were not so good. I, I know the first months that I was there, they were just building a new fire support base on, uh, I, I think it was Hill 51 uh, uh, in the Quezon Valley. And uh, I don't know, we I didn't sleep on a, you know, sleep on a, a cot or, or anything for the first month. And, and we ate sea rats first month. You know, we didn't get too many. Uh, once they got battalions set up, then we, we were, once we were in, in uh, the base camp, you know, we, we did get hot meals on occasions. Not a whole lot. Did you ever have any locals bring you chickens or anything you could kill no, and eat? No, no. I, you know, the indigenous Vietnamese people, uh, we had very little contact with them. Maybe some of the patrols I sent, <laughs> the squad patrol, they might have had uh, contact with them, but not very often. Uh, same with the Arvin, you know, the, the uh, Arvin Army. You know, we, we had very little contact with them. And that was just as, as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you deal with the Army very much? No, no, the, um, the one base camp we were up, uh, up around Cam Key, I think it was, it was getting toward the end of the year. Uh, we had Korean Marines in that area. As a matter of fact, they were in the base camp there. I, I can't remember. Um, all I remember is Christmas Eve. You know, we, uh, we got all these nice care packages and we got a little, <laughs> a little out of control because the next day, you know, we were supposed to have off. The Korean Marines, they were supposed to patrol for us, take up the patrols out. And, well, that, that didn't happen. And, and uh, after Christmas Eve, we were pretty well under the weather the next morning. And we had to go out on patrol. Uh, that, was, that was a bitch. But we didn't, we didn't run into anything. Luckily. Uh, 99% of the time, it was, it was boredom in, in Vietnam. I, myself, personally, I, I can remember maybe five or six serious firefights that you know these search and destroy operations mostly their their uh battalion size or those those operations i talked about that union two uh uh you know we took a beating and fox company two five took a beating pretty well uh they they lost i think more people than we did that was back in first part of june that was about a week after i got there 
But uh, there was a uh, captain from Pittsburgh, as a matter of fact, Captain uh, Graham, his name was. He w- w- uh, was awarded the uh, Medal of Honor. Uh, he was uh, KIA, that operation. So for you, Vietnam was kind of summed up as short periods of chaos and terror followed by long stretches of absolute boredom. It's a nail on the head. That's just about what it was. Yeah, there wasn't too many fun times. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Besides was... the hospital and going on leave, that's... Yep. That's all the extent of the fun. Yep. And then uh, well, the second time I was wounded in Way City, uh, speaking of Way City, it was probably one of the biggest battles uh, uh, of the war. But uh, I was fortunate in Way City. Delta Company, we were to take the, uh, the, the Citadel and, and uh, Dong Ball Tire. Uh, we lost quite a few people trying to take that. Fortunately, I, I wasn't even there at that time because the captain, uh, Captain Harrington, had sent half the platoon on convoy duty between Fubai and, and uh, uh, Way City. So I took half the platoon on the convoy, and the other half of the platoon went across the Perfume River to the Citadel. And uh, that, that's where all the action was. And what was the convoy duty? Were you just running ammo and supplies back yeah, and forth? Yeah, casualties sometimes. Keeping guys so. in the fight, basically. Yep, exactly. Once I got back to Way City, they chopped me back. Well, I think it was February, as a matter of fact, I know it was, February the 18th, I got chopped back to Way City to rejoin the company, uh, Harrington. And I was out there for maybe an hour, and uh, I was wounded. Uh, Shrapnel again? The enemy tossed a grenade, one of these chai grenades with a little handle on it. And half the time, they don't go off. But the thing bounced at my feet. Never seen the guy. He must have been out of ammunition, or he didn't want me to know where he was at. I bounced at my feet, and I, I got up. I said, well, I'm not going to wait around to see if that thing's going to go off or not. Uh, I got up and got about 10 yards, and the, and, the, and the grenade went off. And all I got, it knocked me off my feet, and I got a piece of shrapnel on my backside about that big, and plus a few other little... Uh, I was a little stunned, and they patched me up and sent me back to the battalion aid station. And uh, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but that was I had only been there 10 months. I, uh, I thought, well, I'll be back out in the field again. But uh, I think they had some kind of rule where if you uh, were wounded twice and spent three weeks in the hospital, they would send you stateside. So. So you're kind of a lucky break there. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Did you go straight back stateside, or did you go to the hospital no, first? I, uh, they sent me to Yakuska, Japan. Uh, I, I spent a day or two at Fubai, uh, the regimental hospital, and they sent me to Yakuska, Japan. And I spent a, a week or maybe a little bit longer at Yakuska, Japan, and then they, they uh, sent me back to Philadelphia Naval Hospital. And I spent a week or so in the hospital there, and uh, that's where I was discharged from. I, I still had about three months left to do in the Corps, and they just kept me at the, uh, I think I, were, I worked at the, the, the post uh, slop shoot. The, uh, I, I, I was a sergeant. I was cleaning tables and swabbing floors. I, I didn't mind. <laughs> Better Vietnam, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, of course, they wanted me to re-enlist again. I said, well, no. Nah. Did you even consider it? I considered it, and then I thought about it again, and I said, you know what, <laughs> I know what's going to happen, you know. Back to and I, I, Yeah, I had, I had had enough of that. I, I just, I did, did the best I could. I, you know, we were winning when I left, so. <laughs> so you got your fill of the John Wayne. Yeah, and every year uh, we have a reunion, guys from Delta. 
usually we have uh, maybe 15, 25 guys. We started this about 20 years ago. Each year, somebody in a different city hosts it. Matter of fact, I hosted one here last year in Manaka. But most of the guys that come to the reunion, I, I could remember two at the most, three, because this, you know, of course, the, the years that the, the guys were there, 66, 67, 68, that's who comes to the reunion mostly, at least ours. But each company has maybe a, a different years that they, they have a reunion. It's kind of neat, you'll see those guys every year. But you only know really a couple of them. I could only remember. Some of them remembered me because... You know, I mean, I, I had a platoon of 35, 40 guys, maybe, and the PFCs, and, you know, they remember the, the, the sergeants. Oh, sure. You know, it's just like, you know, the captains, the lieutenants, they don't remember who the heck's died in their companies. Right. So one last question we're about. So you got a Silver Star in Vietnam. Yes, sir. Can you tell me that story? Well, they were giving out a lot of medals, you know. I was doing my job. I have no idea who, who wrote it up. Our company commander was killed. Anyways, the citation reads that the lieutenant platoon commander was uh, seriously wounded, and uh, I assumed command of the platoon and ably led it again. You know, led the platoon under hostile fire. I killed so many NVA, four or five NVA. <laughs> if I didn't kill them, they would have killed me. Sure. I don't know that it was that many. I can remember two. For sure, but we were throwing grenades back and forth. And but you were a 21-year-old kid whose lieutenant yeah. was down, so you took charge of the men. Yep. And you say they were they gave out awards, but yep. they didn't really. They don't just hand out silver stars. No, no, they don't. Uh, that particular operation, the Swift, that was one of the meaner ones. Just that week of Operation Swift, Delta Company and Bravo Company of the First Battalion, Fifth Marine, then the Third Marine. Uh, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, they had a few companies sent out. There were three Medal of Honor winners just on that campaign alone. <laughs> Along with, I think, the Navy Crosses, there were five or six Navy Crosses and Silver Stars. There, there were a handful of Silver Stars. So Swift was nearly as bad as way. For me, personally, it was. For Delta Company, we suffered more casualties on Swift than we did in way, as we did in, um, on Union 2. If you go by body counts or whatever, uh, Way City for me was sort of, you know, me not being there the whole time with the platoon. I, you know, hey, I missed most of the action yeah. in Way City. You know, it's I, kind of I, a I was very for you. The only time you were really there, you got hurt immediately. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, we first got there, we were, you know, just mopping up on the south side of the city, the uh, the new part of the city with the Second Battalion, Fifth Marines, and the, which. They were already done. They had, you know, done their thing, and we we didn't see any action there. But yeah, I, I was very fortunate in a way because it could have been a lot worse. How do you think being a Marine and a Marine in Vietnam shaped you as a man? I've often thought about that. You know, when I come home from Vietnam, I had a lot of baggage. Uh, uh, I thought, well. Alcohol might help, but <laughs> that never helped. First thing I did when I come home from Vietnam, I took six months off. I, I was unemployed for six months. I learned a lot of discipline in the Marine Corps, especially a lot of things that I thought were, you know, were tough. I, I think back to my training in, in, in Vietnam, I said, you know, that was bad in Vietnam, but uh, what I'm doing now, no matter what happens, it, it could never be as bad as that. 
college wasn't in my horoscope when I first you know, joined, but when I got out and got my head straight a little bit, I did get to college and ended up just getting an associate degree. The only thing I regret is that I didn't get a bachelor's degree, but I ran out of time. I, you know, but it's just things that happen. You know, I just look back and say, it can't be as bad as you know, it was back here. And if I survived that and was successful doing that, and then I did all right. If you could go back in time, would you do it again? No. No, no you not, wouldn't? Not, not fit, no, no. I may have joined the Marine Corps again. Uh, that, that was good for me. That was disciplined, and uh, <laughs> he learned how to take orders, uh, that's for sure. But would I go back to Vietnam again? No. All right, and final question. There's a young man or woman out there that's not really sure what direction they want to take with their life, not really sure about college. Would you recommend them join the Marine Corps? Yeah, I, I would. It, it's it, It's... If you mentally can handle it, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a psychological. Uh, they just break you down and put you on a level with everybody else, you know. But I I would say go ahead. I mean, if it, you know, if, as long as somebody's not bending your arm to do it, or but of all the branches, I don't know the other branches. My 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 brother, he was drafted into the army. Fortunately, he didn't have to go to the norm. But uh, yeah, I'd recommend it. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you sitting down and having a conversation with us, Chuck. It was great. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Longest War. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app. You can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. You mean this way. Yeah, like this. You get the idea? All right, saddle up. We'll do it again.